1: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll, he'll immediately yes. got the handoff,
3: you know and <laughs> the q Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
4: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like A Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like A Jet One. And it's time for midweek news and notes. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, I've neglected to mention over the last couple of weeks how well you've been doing betting tennis matches. I'm curious if that streak has continued and if your incredible gambling prowess poured over into the Super Bowl. Did you win money during the Super Bowl?
3: So I did win some money during the Super Bowl. I won some prop bets. I I didn't win anything crazy, but I, I, I did some, some good on some props. Uh, Odell touchdown, Cooper Cup uh, anytime touchdown, of course, was a gimme. I did some there, but... You almost didn't get to talk to me today or ever again, because I almost retired um, th- from everything if based on, I, I started my championship Sunday off by betting on a parlay of four different tennis matches. with three of those tennis matches, I chose I chose the winner and in the correct amount of sets, uh, the match would go in. And I parlayed it with the Rams to win. But I parlayed it with the Rams minus four. So I just missed on that. I hit all four of the tennis bets. And I just missed on that because the uh, the they had that botched field goal and because Odell got hurt. Really because Odell got hurt. If Odell didn't get hurt, the Rams were going to go on to win by like 30 points. And it was an obscene number that uh, of the odds that was paying out there. And you probably would never heard it from me again.
4: Chris, I'm going to throw this out at you just because I know you so desperately want to talk about it. After the game, the big debate now, of course, is Matthew Stafford, Hall of Famer, not a Hall of Famer. Now, I say he is because he's had about 10 excellent seasons. Now he's got a Super Bowl ring, and he's had those 10 excellent seasons. I think he should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. I don't really care enough to fight with anybody over it, though. And I've sort of gotten to that point in my life now where I'll argue about it for fun or debate about it for fun, but some people just take this stuff way too seriously. Having said that, where do you stand on this?
3: Yeah, I mean, my stance on a Hall of Fame in general is much uh, like yours. Um, I, I I, couldn't care less one way or the other for most people. And also when it comes to certain things, like, you know, Eli Manning as an example, I, we've all accepted that he's going to make it. Regardless of if you think he should or not, we all have accepted he's going to make it. Um, with Stafford... I, I don't know man he's he's been a pro bowler once I don't I get not wanting to hold uh, being the Lions quarterback against him but I can't just say oh he deserves to be a hall of fame because he was better than the line like it doesn't i'm not giving him extra credit like i'm not grading on a curve because he was lions like i get that it sucks that he played with the lions for so long and that definitely hindered him no question but it happened i i can't go into some fairy tale land to like give him extra credit because he played with the Lions
4: Chris, in fairness, I... I'm not giving him extra credit For playing with the Lions What I'm saying is that The people that were judging him on team success Were doing so unfairly I still think that people need to understand That football's a team sport And you have to judge on individual success Because it's not a guy's fault If his team isn't good enough to win a Super Bowl I think you've got to judge the player Based on what he does And my argument for him is that roughly ten of the seasons of his career have been excellent seasons. That's my argument. Not that he was stuck on the Lions and therefore because he was stuck on the Lions, he should be in the Hall of Fame.
3: I mean, and that's fair. Well, I'll point I'll go back to one Pro Bowl.
4: Chris, Not you know as well as I do what a joke the Pro Bowl is. Come on, don't be on, arguing. On that. a
3: on a year by year basis, absolutely. When you're talking about a decade plus career and you're talking about a quarterback only making one pro bowl i i i think that that says something i think that says that there was better quarterbacks in his conference with him year after year after year. Sure, after Russell
4: year. Wilson and Aaron Rodgers were in his conference. And Drew if you, Brees. That and doesn't Ken- mean that Matthew Stafford isn't a Hall of Fame level quarterback just because he's not as good as those guys who are arguably all top 10 quarterbacks of all time. I'm going to read you some statistics here from Matthew Stafford. These are passing yards. 5,038, 49.67, 46.50, 42.57, 42.62, 43.27, 44.46, 40.84. This past year with the Rams, 4,886. See where I'm going here? I'm not saying that he's as good as Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Drew Brees, but I'm just saying that not being as good as those guys doesn't necessarily not make you a Hall of Famer. And it's funny because we went into this saying neither one of us really cares to argue about this, and then somehow this started. So there you go.
3: I'll say I'll I'll say this quickly. I saw I forget who was the pro football reference tweeted out there like Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame grades, and it's like an average Hall of Fame quarterback was like around a hundred score, and his score is like a (laughs) fifty. So, like, yeah, I don't know about this. I have no idea what that means. By the way, somebody's
4: gonna have. to I know. I can't.
3: (laughs) I'm trying to find it now to see if I can. find it and i'll tweet it out for context if i do um but i'll, I'll just say i at the idea that we had to take this conversation straight to the hall of fame mm-hmm. is absurd to me why couldn't we just enjoy it for what it was it was an amazing drive that throw and I, I i was watching the replay of that throw and my exact thought was uh you know like the eli thing i'm i'm content i accepted he's gonna get it and hey, I might be willing to accept that Stafford's going to get it and I'll be good with it just because of that throw. But <laughs> he, the reality is this is how it should be. He entered the conversation right now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily have to win a second. If he has another like three or four years where he he plays, you know, probably a little bit better of a regular season than he had this year, he he does that, then, then he can go ahead and do that, get in there. But he needs to do more. This this one, winning one Super Bowl and having the career he's had is not enough. He, he need he needs to he needs to do more. And there's, there's time for him to do more. He can do more. So I'm not saying that it's absurd that he will ever make it. Uh, I he can absolutely get there. Uh, but right now, I, I I think this it kept him alive for it.
4: I disagree, I think that he should get in But again, I don't really want to make too big of a thing of this So we'll just agree to disagree for now And as you said, over the next couple of years We'll find out if he makes an even stronger case for himself We've really buried the lead here though, Chris Because the Rams had their victory parade Aaron Donald was walking around with his shirt off I don't know if I've ever seen somebody who wasn't a professional bodybuilder Who is as jacked as Aaron Donald at 290 pounds I don't mean big and muscular. I mean, this dude looked completely shredded at 290 pounds, which is remarkable.
3: He, he's he's ridiculous. It's absolutely incredible. And to watch the way that game ended too, and just he, – uh, he was just going – not going to be stopped. Uh, he's just and, – and this is another one of these conversations – that has to just everyone has to go straight to is he the best ever and then we have to sit here and debate and parse this and that i don't know man i don't know how to do the math on comparing him to lawrence taylor and reggie white he's one of the best uh, uh, athletes i've ever seen like i've i've very rarely seen athlete be as dominant as he is that when he wants to be and needs to be to be able to be that dominant it's it's not a a large list a long list of players that you can even mention in the breath with the same breath as him uh and i just enjoy watching it man just to be he doesn't even make sense like he's he's undersized and he it but it's just he's so quick and he's just this ball of just rock solid muscle that just can't be stopped. And you know, it's, it's from that defensive tackle position too. Like I, I love everything about Aaron Donald. And honestly, I, I want, I obviously want to continue watching him play football, but man the respect i would have for him if he was like i just turned in that career won the super bowl and I'm like yeah all right i'm gonna be out why my I? I still have my health and body left in all this money i i would absolutely love that as a walk away so yeah i i can't imagine enjoying watching an athlete play much more than i would enjoy watching Aaron Donald work
4: chris i don't know if aaron donald's going to walk away from the game of football but i can tell you that there are two coaches ...that are walking away from the New York Jets staff. Game management coach Matt Burke is leaving the team to become Arizona's defensive line coach... And the Jets lost a second coach as well as assistant offensive line coach Jake Moreland goes to the Broncos to become their tight end coach. So the offseason just started and Robert Sell is already having coaches poached off his staff. I guess that's a change because I can't really remember the last time a Jets coach had assistants leaving for promotions. It seems like a foreign concept at this point.
3: Yeah, uh so you get a little bit of g- good stuff going here on offense, social competence with uh coaching staff and you're going to you got to get some guys plucked there. That's how that's going to go. Um obviously Gase it wasn't going and going that way and even especially on the offensive side of the ball, we know what the deal was with Bulls to uh So you you got a little bit there, um, but it's minor things there. A little bit of reshuffling is nothing that I would expect to have any type of impact on the Jets uh, going forward next season. Any
4: real
2: impact anyway. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to
0: Lucky Land. You know what they say. At Luckylandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group, Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply. Play
1: like a jet. Play like a jet.
4: More mock draft madness, Chris. We've talked about Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft in the past. We've talked about Mel Kuyper Jr.'s. And now it's time to talk about Todd McShay. He's got the Jets going with Ika McQuanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State at number four. And at number 10, he's got the Jets taking Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback out of LSU. The interesting part about Iquanu isn't Iquanu himself because I think a lot of Jets fans would be fine with that pick on its own. But the reason why it would be controversial under these circumstances is that McShea has the Jets passing on Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon, to take Ike McQuannu. as far as Stingley that would be a controversial pick for a different reason and that's because of the injuries we've discussed Stingley before and I suspect we're going to be talking a lot about him heading up to the draft he's a very talented corner especially in man and he's the type of player that if he stays healthy and he builds on what he did as a freshman at LSU he could be one of the best corners in the league however the downside is he wasn't as good his sophomore and junior years And he did have the injuries. So you throw that all together and it's a little bit of a riskier pick. But from a talent standpoint, it would be tough to be upset about getting a stud like Iquanu for the offensive line and a potential all-world corner in Derek Stingley Jr., both of which they obviously need. However, passing on Thibodeau would certainly be controversial and taking a cornerback who's been hurt quite a bit would be controversial as well.
3: I do believe I've done, you know, a little bit uh, dipping my toe into this draft stuff and and talking to some people and right now I would say if they go my guess or uh, my educated guess would be if they're staying at 4 and picking and they're picking a tackle it is going to be a Quanu. Um I think that he fits, you know, a lot of what they want to do. They'll probably be happy to lean with somebody who's more of just an absolute incredible uh, devastating run blocker uh, the, and lean on that. And then there's also the added benefit of they could move him inside. Now that that may or may not come into play at the end. It's going to come into play when you know, fans and people are talking about doing the mocks, but by the time the draft comes around, we're going to know what they're going to do with, uh, you know, Fant and Becton and the offensive line, uh, uh, whoever they signed or didn't sign, will will know that. So, um, but they do have the, the option here to kick him inside for a year or two if they want to. So, I do think that would be the most likely option if they go uh, offensive line. Not exactly, you know, breaking any news there. I think most people could figure that out, especially if the assumption that Neil is gonna be, uh, going to be going to the Jags there. But that that makes a lot of sense
4: Daniel Jeremiah had an interesting tweet That got people talking He said the Jets and Giants Could be pivotal players in the trade market If a team wanted to trade a veteran To get extra picks to sweeten the pot To try and get Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson Or Aaron Rodgers The Jets and Giants have the picks to be the middleman So for example Let's say Denver traded Jerry Judy Or Cortland Sutton or somebody like that To get draft picks from the Jets or Giants Then they could turn around, take those picks And move them as part of a package For one of those three quarterbacks listed This is an interesting thought Chris, I don't know if it's actually going to come To fruition, but some of these teams Do have some good young talent To use to get some extra picks That said, I would think that some of these teams would want the good young players and wouldn't necessarily mind getting them over draft picks. So I guess it kind of depends on who we're talking about here. But this sort of feels like one of those NBA type of situations where we see it all the time, a team will get involved in a trade, take a bad contract for draft picks because one of the teams in the deal desperately needs to unload a contract to make a trade work. So something along those lines, it's more of an NBA type of move, but it could be something worth monitoring.
3: Yeah, well, we've seen a a little bit more, uh, obviously. You saw it it was first with the Brock Eisweiler. We saw it with the Rams getting rid of Goff. Uh, attaching uh, draft picks to that. Uh, so you see that um, occasionally. Uh, and uh, regardless if anything comes to fruition here or not, and what Dan Jeremiah is talking about, I see and appreciate the vision from Dan, Dan Jeremiah here. Here, Ch- Talk it into existence. Just keep talking about it. Throw it out there. Maybe one of these GMs will sit there and be like, hey, did this did you hear about this this might be a good idea let's look into this cuz that's let's, let's try to make this happen stuff more happen more like nba the transaction is more fun than the actual games at this point let's let's inject some of that into the nfl let's get some more movement here uh that that would be very very nice uh i still i think most likely you're still if you you want to look for some type of trade action here, you want to hope and think that somebody is going to want to uh, go ahead and jump that that the Washington football team, and they should have stuck with the Washington football team because the commando commodore whatever's stupid stupid name, um, they there's somebody who's gonna you got to hope somebody wants to jump them for like you know. Uh, Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or somebody like that. I think that's your best thing to hold out for uh, getting like a real value of a trade.
4: Last order of business here, Chris, that I thought was worth discussing. Braxton Berrios had a radio appearance on Tiki and Tierney on WFAN, and he addressed his impending free agency. He said, I want to be here with the Jets. Sadly, this is part of the process. It's business, not just football. I don't think people understand it's not all within my control. They're going to do the right thing in their eyes, and we'll see what that ends up being. Chris, we've discussed Berrios several times before. There was that report that we're both convinced came directly from his agent that he's going to be looking for $9 million a year. There's no way he's getting it. So the question is, what is his actual market value? If the Jets can sign him for a reasonable price before free agency, I think they will. If they can't, they'll let him play the field and see how that turns out, because I can't imagine they're going to be overpaying For Braxton Berrios by a large margin. He can't be worth more than five, six million dollars a year tops. I know that everybody likes him and I know that he made some fun plays, but the Jets have to be careful with their cap space. But I think that they're gonna probably see if they can get him signed for a reasonable price before free agency. Otherwise, they'll let him test the market, see what his value is. And then if they sign him, they sign him. If not, they'll be able to replace him in some other way. Because as much as we all enjoy Braxton Berrios, he's fairly easily replaceable, if we're being honest about it.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not really worried about this like at all, because um, they're not going to overpay him in any type of significant way. He, they they know what he is. He's a punt returner depth uh, depth receiver. That's it. So they they might be willing to overpay him, but being willing to overpay a punt returner a a non I mean we don't even have these Devin Hester Dante Hall punt returners anymore, but it, he he's not that, um, and he's a depth receiver like like and I mean depth receiver like like sixth seventh receiver depth receiver so get it and that that's how they look at him like he's not some weapon to be used he's he's a nice uh punt returner and a nice little depth uh, receiver they can get somebody else to do all those gadget plays on offense without much of an issue um so they might be willing to overpay him a little bit to keep him there. You do the whole we want to keep guys um, send the right message. He's is, uh, you know, liked in the locker room. All that's good stuff. Um, but again, we're talking about a kick returner, uh depth receiver. So there's like overpay is what it, it's not going to be a significant margin. So uh, if, that doesn't mean that somebody else out there won't offer him a bunch more. Somebody else might decide to offer him more money and a bigger role because they think they can get more out of him or something. And, and if that's the case, then he's gone. Uh, but if if nobody comes along to offer him, a, you know, a big money, then uh, then I I think you can expect him to stay, or and they're gonna at least. Uh, Try to keep him If it's not uh, anything unreasonable
4: Chris Nimbley, the owner The operator, lead reporter, the whole shebang Over at JetsInsider.com And above all that A very big deal. Thank you so much for coming on and talking through the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. Check out everything Chris is doing over at JetsInsider.com and follow him on Twitter at JetsInsider and at CNimbly. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some fantastic breakdowns, including one on Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon who we talked about before he's also got breakdowns of Trey McBride the tight end out of Colorado State the wide receiver out of Arkansas Traylon Burks and a lot more watch the videos and subscribe if you haven't already also give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets content and podcasts you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper